0: else who's going to be tuning in soon. We are going to uh, do kind of a continuation of the conversation we were just having off of uh, camera. And uh, well, I guess first we're joined by John Barton today. So John, how's it going?
1: Uh, it's going pretty good. Um, just bought a pool room in Oklahoma City, so I'm getting my feet wet in that again. And uh, other than that, cases are going great and um, business, is, business is good. Is there what a... a gen- uh
2: owned by some Vietnamese in Oklahoma
1: City. Yes, there is. It's actually just down the street from my from my place. Okay.
3: What's the name of the room, John?
1: Uh, the name of the room that I bought is Chester's. Um, oh, okay. I've been in there before. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, talk to us. Promote it. Good for you. Okay. Let's hear it. what what do you got there?
1: Well, uh, it's a pool room that's been there since 1969. Um uh, according to the the uh, landlord, who's been the same landlord who built the building, and um, it's gone through I think four owners. I'm um, the the latest. And um, at first, it was called Aces Pool Room, and then it was called uh, just simply the Pool Room. Then um, the uh, the last the last owners before me, they purchased it and they uh, they called it Chester's in honor of Chester True Love, who is iconic in Oklahoma pool. Um, Chester true love built a pool room called true loves over on the, uh, on the South side of Oklahoma city. And then he had his hand in, in many, many pool rooms. Even I learned that he even helped bill Schick set up his pool room. Um, when bill built a pool room. So Chester drove down with some of his tables and he's got, he passed on and he left a warehouse of tables here that are uh, slowly being sold off by one of the billiard supply places, AJ Gill. And, um, Basically, Chester was just one of those mythical figures, you know, that went around and he was at every every garage sale where they advertised a pool room. He was there, a pool table. He was there first to buy it and uh, ended up setting up a lot of bars and a lot of pool rooms uh, because of that. So uh, we intend to keep the name Chester's to honor him and actually make this pool room into sort of a shrine to billiards or a billiards museum uh, in addition to a sort of a billiards academy. So that's where we're at with it. So in Oklahoma City, uh, we have great food. Um, Mike, you said you've been there, so you probably know that. I think I
3: stopped in once coming back from Derby with um, Hanshu and, and Rocket, and it was funny because he walked in there, and it was during the day, a lot of one pocket going on, and we walked in there, and everyone kind of does kind of does this number as soon as they go walk in. So, um, But I, I love going to Oklahoma whenever. Well, I hate to drive across the state of Texas, but once I'm in Oklahoma, I don't mind it. But that drive going across the state is pretty brutal at times. But that's awesome, John. Congratulations. But I, I want to ask you a question because I saw your comment on a thread. It was from um, Heather from, from Brutal. And the topic was about going and, and traveling to shows and setting up booths. And um, I know you've had you adapted over the last couple of years uh, because of COVID and lack of events or whatever to uh, doing more online sales and using Facebook as opposed to like physically going and setting up a booth at an event. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain on that and maybe if you can elaborate
1: more on on, on what you meant. Certainly. Uh, well, well, the comment that I made to Heather um, was that um, the expenses of going to shows are sometimes, and this was well before COVID and, and before gas prices and everything, the, the, the expenses of going to shows are generally so high for the vendors um, that you're down a couple thousand for a smaller show like like the Scotty Townsend for example that's a good example you know I'm down like two thousand dollars in expenses before I make a sale if you're lucky uh, <laughs> yeah you know and now of course with the higher gas prices it would be even more but if I go out to Vegas for example and and you guys might be aware of the type of booths that we used to put up the big booths and everything I'm literally down almost twenty thousand. Uh, in expenses and everything before we even make a sale. And then we spend, you know, 10, 12 hours a day at the booth uh, because, you know, you're the only ones there. You don't have, you know, you if you don't have a staff to man it, um, then, then it becomes you, you know, and you're there before the first ball is hit. And just like podcasters, you're there, you know, after the, uh, after the last ball is hit. And, um, and, so for us, it just became this game where, where at least most smaller tournaments, um, it was real hard to, to actually make a profit. You know, so you you kind of looked at it as a marketing exercise more than a profit making endeavor. Um, which for that that part of it for us was always good because you know I love to meet people and talk to them and 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 be out there physically promoting our brand. Uh, but it just it's just such a grind. You know, I mean, Heather's Heather's company is <clears throat> named for that. It's, you know, brutal because it is brutal. Oh. <laughs> and there's so much that, that can happen between the time you leave your door when you're pulling a trailer full of goods and the time that you actually get safely set up that I think that that risk, you know, if, if it can be mitigated for us, which it has been now in terms of just not going. um <laughs> Because you know, it's it's like I've I've had at least two times when I've come back from Super Billiards Expo where I've lost an axle, you know, oh, we've hit, we hit a pothole or or something has happened. Or, you know, I overloaded the trailer, for example, and and it broke it. And um and you know, that's like fifteen hundred dollars a pop right there, plus the, the the time that you lose. Um and it just every everything that happens between getting home from the event, you know, just eats into the, eats into whatever profit you made if you made any. Oh sure. So, you know, I I I fully sympathize with what Heather, with what Heather's going through. On top of all that risk, now she's got to pay so much more for gas because when you're pulling a heavy trailer, you know, you're you're looking at that you're looking at your mileage pretty yeah. damn close even in Eight the miles benefit. to the gallon. Yeah. So, you know, that that's what I said. So for us, we've been lucky. Through the pandemic, I think we're one of the few companies, you know, that, that have actually done okay. Um, and I'm not talking about the big guys and everything. I'm, I'm talking about in our industry.
3: Um, but I think it's different because you've already, you're already established. Like, I think when you're starting off, you have to be – there's nothing like being in front of pool players. Like, there's no better way to go and get a sale than whenever you're actually in front of them versus going and selling something online. But you reach a certain point when you have a certain reputation – when it comes to your product, that you can fade it and you don't have to go in and do those grinds anymore. Like, I've, I've talked to Pat DeVinney about this because I love Pat. And, but I tell him and Fina, I'm like, I don't know how the hell y'all do this, man. Like, y'all are traveling across the country. Y'all are setting up at shows when you could go and sell cues from the house and just ship them. But Pat, you know, like you said, John, Pat says, you know, I love being in front of people. I love going and meeting everyone. I love going to the shows and seeing my friends and talking with customers.
1: And he's like, there's just nothing like it. You know. that's that's a big part of it. I mean, I, I'll just say, honestly, even, you know, my wife and I, we talk about that and, and we miss it. And we said to ourselves, you know, if we're going to do if if we are going to do one show a year, we would I think that we would like to do the Super Billiards Expo best uh, because it's it's shorter than the other shows, even though they've now expanded it, I guess, to to six days instead of four. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be there. Huh? Are you all going to go? Oh, this year we can't because our, our, go ahead. I'm sorry. I will be. Oh, okay. Um, I, I will, I'm going to go out there as a visitor for the first time ever. Um, but we can't, we can't do any shows this year because of logistics, because we, our orders, our order volume is up so much that we can't, we can't produce enough cases. Um, not, not, um, justifiably, um, to stock a booth the way that we want to stock a booth. You know, for us, we hit, like I said, I, you know, when we're down 20 grand before we hit the door, um, we have to have a, we have to move a lot of product to make a profit. And, um, and for our booths, you know, we've always tried to put up, you know, two, three, 400 cases on the wall. I've seen them. I've seen them where you're like, I remember
3: walking into the expo my first time and looking up and that little like octagon octagon shaped booth, but the walls were just Huge, man, you know, full of full of cases.
1: Yeah, that, that kind of became our, our trademark, I guess, at, at shows, you know, because I always thought I want to maximize the space and go high as, as much as I can. Um, and that, you know, so that, you know, and, and that in and of itself poses, you know, certain logistical problems sure. and, and issues. Um, but yeah, we can't we just can't we can't just I can't like look at my customers right now. We've got like a 10, 10 to 12 week backlog. I can't look at my customers and and say, look, we just put 400 cases on the wall. You're going to have to wait longer. So that's, that's kind of the dilemma we're in right there. So, right. So we made the decision that this year we would stay home. We would keep doing our auctions from home. So every time we get about 30 cases or so, we try to do an auction or a live sale. Um, and that's what we eke out for ourselves each month. Um, just to kind of have a balance of, of that, uh, getting that, that instant retail money.
0: I, I got to tell you what, like those things, like the community that you've built around it, I don't, I don't partake in them all that often, but I, I did buy my, my wife's case through one of those online auctions, which was cool. Uh, my, <laughs> I was listening to it in bed and it's just kind of funny. I guess I was listening to it in bed and I was, the wife and I were having a celebration. I think it was like our half year or something like, or like a half year anniversary, something like that. So we had both enjoyed a nice bottle of wine and we we're just lying in bed, just, you know, watching TV, watching a movie. And I'm, I'm going through years and I'm kind of looking at the case. I'm just watching casually. And I look down, and I'm like, wow, my wife wants to get into playing pool. Let, let's see if you have a case that I, I might like for her. And, uh, you know, so I type in there, like, what do you got for something that's purple? And you're like, you pull up this Asian Zing case. And you're like, here, here you go, Nate, here's a purple one. We'll auction this one off next. And uh, my wife's kind of like, huh, someone's got the name Nate that likes, has a wife that likes purple too, huh? She kind of turned over towards me and said that. I'm like, yeah, I got a weird small world, huh? Like three minutes later, I get the winning bid on it. And she's like, wait a second. Did you just buy that case for me? (laughs) And I'm like, what do you want from me? I'm drunk and there was a nice case. Of course you're going to buy it. Right. (laughs) But no, I mean like the, like uh, the community that you guys have built around those things are like really cool. Like you guys just sit there and take shots and get hammered and it's the same people that kind of, it, I mean, it's a lot of like the people that show up for this podcast, right? There's a community of people. They all kind of just hang out and you have fun. And I think that's, that's kind of a neat thing that you guys have built. It's unique to the industry. I think.
1: I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. You know, I mean, um, you know, I, I think there's one thing about it. There's, there's a kind of a dancing monkey aspect to it. Um, where, you know, I get, I get a little bit, we, we, we do get, we, we do Speaking get a dancing
0: rough. monkeys. <laughs> Oh, oh, God. oh was... what a perfect he... time dancing monkeys! All right, finish up. John. <laughs> but you never know
3: when John's gonna go on tilt, so well, you can just tune in for that. You know, well, there's, that was... there, there's a possibility that John may go off and have a viral moment in that hour and a half that he's
1: live. Uh, well, we're four hours, so there's a lot more moments. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I almost, I almost had one the other day, you know, and I had to, I had to pull myself back, you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't quite, quite drunk enough to, to, uh, to, to have all my inhibitions released on that one because uh, <laughs> I, I almost had an "I love Brian" moment. <laughs> oh, god.
3: <laughs> so there's Welcome. that. You know,
1: Nate. One of the things, though, to talk about what that is, is that I do believe that, that it does allow me and a certain amount of freedom, you know, to be able to do that. Like, like, like Mike is referring to, you know, um, things can happen or things can be said in, in these situations that get picked up. And, and, you know, like the one that he's talking about was I, I basically, you know, told a guy that came on stream, I was like, F you, F you and all this, lots of F bombs. And, and, uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty moment, you know, to be honest with you, looking back on it, you know, I mean, uh, it's not something to be proud of, but I felt, I still felt like I was in the right. And I feel like that the community that we have around us is that supportive bubble that that allows us to have a little bit of that freedom, you know? So that's, you know, that's what I want to say about that, but you're right, Mike, you know, it's uh, there, there's definitely a good chance in that situation for, for the wrong combination of things to happen.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you never know if you might get a deal or you never know if you may see somebody go off. Like, get me the popcorn. I'm ready to go. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I, like, I like a good deal and I like uh, I like I like great moments. Yeah. Well, I yeah, try to real up, but... live. <laughs> yeah,
2: real live. Mr. Tuffer, I have to tell you, I was very impressed with your drill the other day that I watched. With the three balls. Uh,
4: no, 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 oh, the Don the Dan Appleton drill. Yeah, he. Yeah, was going around nice the team.
2: table with that, I was extremely impressed.
4: Yeah, yeah nice tell guy. Darren Appleton. Yeah, all he does is yeah, I do his drills, and then he makes it sound like I yeah, I've cheated or something. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. I get no i I get no love from that man. It's crazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And I promise
0: you, Jim no matter no matter what you think that you don't get any respect for them when you when you talk to them one on one about you it's it's worse it than you could even imagine i know i know yeah yeah
4: very simple <laughs> <subjective. Sorry. laughs> it's a, I... it's no, a you, it's I, a I, mutual I respect too it's a mutual respect we have for <laughs> each other
2: uh, for for having mika and darren available to some of the players in wisconsin in the rural areas we had a player from where I live here in this middle part of farming country who actually attended down there. And he talked to me about it this weekend. And, and he, he was, he was said, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. So. Yeah,
1: that,
2: what are you talking that, I mean, about? I, I, well, Darren and Mika came to central Wisconsin and uh, put on a, they had a little exhibition. Plus they had an instruction, uh, a time that you went down, give them a few hundred bucks and they spent all day with you, you know, a group of people and I had a friend, that uh, local pool playing guy, that went down there and he talked to me about it this weekend and how enjoyable it was, how much he learned, and uh, that he would do it again in a heartbeat if, if you know if Nate got these players to to come and contribute.
1: You can know. I ask you guys a question? Um, I guess I'm not waiting for you to say yes or no, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Well, we, yeah. we don't wait, so I <laughs> you can ask yeah. us
0: a question. Yes.
1: Well, you know, I I mentioned earlier when about the pool room that I bought that I want to turn it into sort of a billiard academy. Um, So I've been mulling this over a lot, you know, these past several years about how to encourage people to want to get better. Um, And one of the things that I that I have an idea that, that, you know, I'm going to try locally. Part of buying this pool room is just to try out a lot of these ideas that I have to see if it if any of it catches on. Um, but one of them is is going back to the drills and things like that to do skills challenges um, that can feed into a national type of skills challenge type of thing where oh. people have to perform. They have to do the drills like Darren's drill or, or anybody's drills, you know, that, that people can make them up. And I, I think that I've seen some sort of stuff like that before um, where people have tried to, like, kind of do it nationally. But I wonder how, if there's any merit to it, and whether or not it would be really a good thing to to encourage pool rooms to set these up so that that they're they're getting people in the pool rooms to do these drills and having a leaderboard and having points and having prizes and moving on to bigger and bigger stages. Um, what do you guys think about that? I think if there were enough serious players,
3: you know, because I I've played pool for a long time and. I've only barely started doing drills cuz I've never I've, I've always been more of I just want to play, you know, let's me and you go and, and play. But now I've started to do drills a little bit, but I'm I'm kind of on the fence because I'm trying to prolong the gray hair from coming in what little hair I got left, you know? So cuz drills can be super frustrating, man. So when I see like Darren's drill get done or whatever, I mean it just it amazes me, you know? There's there's two, hate, there's, two there's
4: two there's two different types of drills. There's two, there's two different types of drills. There's drills that you do in order to specifically um, attack a certain aspect of the game. You feel there's a certain aspect of the game that needs, that sure. your own game that you need to improve. There's certain drills you can find that will help with that. That's one, way of, that's one way of doing drills. The other way is just to do a drill that's just insanely difficult and spend hours and hours and hours just trying to complete it that one time and take it as a challenge to complete the drill. Now, the ones that Appleton does, a lot of the ones that Appleton does, they're actual drills that you can keep doing, even once you've completed it, complete it again, complete it again, you know? and and Whereas there's other ones that's just, I've done it once, I'm never trying it again. That was just an absolute <laughs> crazy... Uh, crazy. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've spent three days of my life trying to do this one drill. I'm not doing <laughs> it ever again. That's the one time I'm doing it, you know? And that's the kind of challenge. As far as the whole national... A skills challenge. There was something that was set up. I'm not sure how far it got to getting off the ground, and I think it was called seven ball run. And oh yeah. The Maybe. idea, the, yeah, the idea was that you took the break completely out of the game, and you would set up balls on a table in certain scenarios, and then you would have to run the balls from those set positions, and you would get certain points based on whether or not you ran the balls out, and it meant that all the players would be would be given exactly the same layout yeah. every single time. And then it was seen as being a more fairer way to judge somebody's skill. It took luck yeah. out of the game. It took the break out of the game, but it never really got going. And I'm not sure how close they were to getting it going. I know a couple of the guys <clears throat> that were involved in it. Um, and that, that, The gambling it. part yeah. I like.
3: I like the gambling yes. part because depending on the player and the layout, you get to go on fire whether or not you think they're going to be able exactly. to, to run the table. That part yeah. I love. Yeah,
4: um, yeah. I I nice. think the whole thing that the 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 thing that, that that maybe let it down or that didn't really, it didn't get the attention was that it, it's no longer one on one pool. You know, you're not able to put a safety in there. You're not able to put a bit of tactic in there. It's a little bit like ghost yeah. pool as well. You know, you take yeah. out quite a large part of the game with the whole ghost pool thing. Right. It serves a purpose to a certain extent, and ghost pool did during the pandemic. Um, but you see now that everybody has access to a table and to a pool hall and to each other. Again, pool is, you know, pool is pool. is one-on-one, you know, pick your game. Let's go for it. Those skill challenges and these other little special little games are nice, but I don't think I'll ever replace uh, the the, real thing. uh,
1: I don't, I don't see it as a replacement for pool. I see it. You know, this goes back to the beginning of the conversation where we were talking about whether or not bar table pool hurts, uh, players in America in comparison to players in other parts of the world that are playing primarily on nine footers. Um, And I can tell you that, you know, I owned a pool room in Germany as well. And, and I, you know, I spent 10 years there and I was part of the pool clubs and they take it seriously as a sport. They treat, they treat pool. The people who play treat pool exactly like they treat soccer over there. It's formatted approximately the same way as far as the tiers um, inside the clubs themselves, it's formatted so that, that there's, uh, there's as many teams as there are players who will make up those teams, but the, play, but the teams are, are slotted by skill. So the first team in most of these clubs, they get the benefit of being able to, uh, to go to tournaments uh, paid for by the club. Um, if they if they cash in these tournaments then then they put the money back in the kitty up till the point that the, the up, up to the expenses and then they keep everything else but if they go to and out or they don't they don't cash then then they don't pay and uh, that's a reward for achieving the first team status and then all the people on the teams below them are trying to get a spot on the first team so they get those benefits and those rewards and and um, and as a result, for example, at least in the teams that I was part of, you know, we had mandatory practice, we had mandatory drills, uh, we had mandatory clinics that we would do. You know, we would bring in players like Ralph Souquet and and uh, and Oliver Ortman and those guys back. That was those were the big guys back in those right. days. And um, and you know, we would have people come in and and be part of that, and then we would force them to practice the things that that we learned from those players. Um. Because we treated it like a sport rather than than a, than a pastime, bingo. And I would like to see more of that happening here. Um, and just I'm I'm just searching for a path to make that happen. Because over here we do we do treat the game a lot more casually. We do want to just just tee up head to head and go. Um, and I see so many people in the pool room who are so passionate about jumping in and playing, especially in that say four fifty to five fifty, Fargo range. These guys are just they're, they're ate up with playing. They want to play all day, but they don't want to practice. They don't want to really improve to the degree that you see like pro players doing it. You know, the, when you when you interview these pro players, they are always talking about how much time they spent in their formative years, right? But these guys that are in that 450 to 550 range, I'd say, or even 600, you know, I guess they just get to a certain point where they just feel like they can get better just by playing. And, and I think that, that in my mind, that's what holds us back more than whether it's a bar table or, or a nine footer.
2: Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I,
0: I don't know. I, I push back hard on
1: that. I, I honestly think that
0: at this point, I honestly think that like uh, if you want to be a good player, and you're going to be a good player no matter what. You're going to get there whether you're doing drills or whether you're just banging balls around. I mean, I think I think being great at whatever you're doing is a decision just as much as it is a work ethic. Uh, the people who want to be a 700-level Fargo or whatever it is, they're not going to stop, whether they're a 400 or whether they're a 600. Now, the only thing that might stop is their ability to get to that level.
2: Yeah, you can see it in players who have – A poor stance or players who have a jerky stroke or players who have all kinds of things that you'd look at them and go, how can they even run a rack? But yet, Dennis Grab is like that. He's one of the best players. (laughs) And, and, and and they're getting better and they're rising to a pretty high level of play. Uh, We have those all over the place here in Wisconsin. uh, And you go, wow, how did he ever get any better with a stroke like that? So, yeah, that's
0: exactly what I, that's kind of what I mean. I think you'll always see that person at the pool room that like, uh, I mean, I think, I think if you become a top player, I mean, Jim, you could, you could agree or disagree with me if you want here, but like, I didn't, I never did a drill until I was maybe 26 years old. And then when I was 26, I did drills for about 17 seconds. And then I quit them right away. Like my entire Mm -hmm. career has just been, my entire career has basically just been going, racking the balls, breaking them, shooting Racking the balls, breaking them, shooting. Yeah, like that's really. literally all yeah. I've done, or playing in tournaments. And, and I did an interview with Johnny Archer on here. Yeah. And Johnny Archer said that by the time that he was like a professional player, like if you removed like the first basically five years of his playing career, so you just took like the next five years after that where he'd become a, uh, you know, a top professional player. He said he practiced probably, he said he could probably count the amount of days that he actually went to a pool room specifically to practice on one hand. He said he just basically for five years, he did not practice at all. All he did was play tournaments and all he did was gamble. Now you can say gambling is practice and you know, that's, that's definitely a a real thing, but what we're kind of talking about with practice here is we're kind of talking about like actually going and working on specific aspects of your game. Right. And I I just don't think that's, I I think, I think the biggest decision you can make to be a top, top, top player is just the decision to become a top player and putting the work ethic behind it personally.
2: Yeah, I don't know. When I was young, I, 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 did drills. I would make them up and do them at home, and sure. I
3: drill on. I drill oh, on no. a stop
2: shot, a six-inch drive. Somebody shot,
3: could be great in doing shot. drills, and it's different when you're when you're in competition and you're having to go and play someone pool. Because you've seen these ghost challenges where some of these guys they go and play against someone else. You know, in a yeah. tournament setting, it's it's completely different. Yeah, when you you have heat on you,
2: when I was in competition, I went. I've done this at home fifteen thousand times. Why can't I do it now? And so I would execute it. I didn't have a problem at that. Well,
3: because you already prepared, though, right? You prepared for that moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, too
1: prepared for it. I want to. I want to. I want to clarify something here. Okay, so me personally, I'm. I'm also not a drill person. You know, I'm not. I'm not out there doing drills, and I can't. I, I really just can't stand them. You know, but I recognize the value in them. And I want to say that, that I'm not trying to say there's one path to this, you know, like like Nate, you're right. You know, you can you can get in there and just brute force play and you're going to learn. You're going to pick up stuff, of course. Um, what I'm saying, though, is, is that I think it's a it's a question of of not just individual perseverance, you know, or your, your own true grit. It's also opportunity. Right. So if you set up something around the country with, with all the different, I, and I'm talking about on the pool room level, you know, this is what I don't see enough of. I don't see enough of pool rooms setting up opportunities for people to be able to, to see where they're at. Number one.
0: Honestly, uh, I love your idea of like, I mean, you where you make like one team. Like, I think that's amazing. And I think this yeah. is what I honestly, I think that this is why every pool room should have some sort of house pro that is on the staff on payroll and Organizes these things because the pool room owners can't do it right, they they you know they have way too much on their plate already. Hire yourself an actual pool room or a, a, an actual house pro, even if that you know, even if you're only paying them 100 bucks a week or something, find somebody who's a great player in your area that'll work for whatever and have them organize this. How amazing would that be, John? If, you, if that German system was built in the US,
1: yeah, actually that would had really this. Be great. yeah, I'll give you guys an idea that I saw in China that worked, it seemed to work. Um, in, in most of the pool rooms where I went to in China, they would have, um, one or two house pros in there. And the way that it worked financially is, is that when, uh, when you went in, you could play the house pro, but you would pay a higher amount per hour for table time. And, uh, and that pro would, uh, would instruct you if you wanted instruction, you just tell him what you want. You're basically paying for his time and, uh, or he would play, just play with you. Or even gamble if that's what you wanted to do, um, but you're paying extra for the, for access to that person, um, and that seemed to to work pretty well because uh, most of the places where I went, the pro was always engaged in some way or another with somebody. So you know that could be a way because one of the things with with pool rooms um, is just money. You know, it's literally finding the money sometimes to add another person to the staff. Um, if that person is somehow not producing some income so you know there's that there's always that balancing act there i think um and i can tell you from from my perspective as a new pool room owner that if i can afford to pay somebody to be that person then i will you know so i'm always looking for how to how to how to figure that out because i believe that the pool room is where you is is where you deepen the love of the game For whoever walks through the door so that's what
0: nice well jim does this does anything like that exist in the netherlands nope
4: um yeah there's always there's always somebody in the club there's always somebody in the club that uh that you can get in contact with that will give you lessons or whatever like we we've got uh, in my in the the club that i'm i i'm a member of that, uh, that, that i play for uh they've got a pool school they call it and they get all the kids together and the kids come, come round uh, sure. once a week. And they're, they're taught from a very young age. They're very, very basics, you know. Um, and they, 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 go, they sort of go through the system until, you know, you start to see which ones maybe have a future and which ones are just, you know, maybe decide themselves it's not for them. Or they get to a certain age where there's all the distractions in their life and, and pool is not the priority. And you see that every so often you see one or two that come through where you think, hold oh, on a minute, this guy's got talent. Let's not forget, you've got to have talent. You can turn around and say it's a mental uh, thing that that if you want to be a top player, you'll be a top player. No, if you want to be as good as you can be, you'll be as good as you can be.
3: Jim's that's right. That's
4: all you. That's all you can do mentally within yourself is be the best that you can be. You're still restricted right, by by your own talent as well. You know, there's some players that can they could they could do all the things right, all the drills, everything. They could be practicing all the time, playing all the tournaments but for some reason it just doesn't click for them and they just don't have that extra bit of talent. They don't have that that, 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 that extra something that you need in order to make it to the elite level in, in any kind of sport. You have to just have that and it's luck. You didn't deserve it. You were just born with it. It was given to you and you've just been very fortunate that the talent that was given to you, you've actually found that, you know? Didn't you just Did have you know, a young lady I,
2: I, there that won a snooker championship, Jim, in the Netherlands? Uh,
4: I'm not sure.
2: Recently, yeah, I is. just saw that on uh, the internet. There's there, 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 we've got
4: we've got a very good uh, th- uh, three cushion player uh, in the Netherlands. One that's won a lot, uh, men and women. But okay. yeah, going back to my point, uh, uh, Mike. Mike could be the best. um I don't know. Uh, he he could be the best tiddlywinks player that the world has ever 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 seen. Never played the game, <laughs> so he's True. never found out. You know, yeah. somebody, some, no, somebody like a Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal. They were born with the talent to play tennis. They were lucky enough that somebody gave them a tennis racket when they were young, and they went and played it. They enjoyed it. Oh yeah, it's it got to
3: be a perfect storm to <laughs> yeah. go on. Exactly, it, yeah. so yeah. many yeah.
4: things have to happen for you. And these right. elite players are are just the cream of the crop. They have everything that was necessary to be it. And sure. you also have to have that. I I can try my hardest and hardest and hardest to be the best uh, soccer player the world's ever seen. But it's never going to happen, regardless of how fit I am, how many hours I put in, who helps me. If you don't have the talent, you don't have the talent. It's as simple as that, you know? So um, what what you need to do is you need to have a system where you you give give young people and you give anybody the opportunity to find out whether or not they have a talent or whether they just even have an enjoyment for the game, you know? Pool is a game where everybody's played it. You will not. You won't meet somebody. You will never meet somebody in your life who hasn't. In a bar somewhere, and someone says, "Shall we hit, hit a ball here? Take the cue. Try this." You know, you go up to an old lady in the well, supermarket. But it's tough say, for I've,
3: her I've, here I've, in America because the liquor licenses and in laws. Yes, you, with, have with, you have with, that. You have that. Having minors in in yes. in these ballrooms, yep. you know.
4: We don't. Have, we don't have that. If you come, you can come in at any age if you're with a. Uh, with a, with an adult who is who is going to is there with you, you know, your guardian at that time, and you're not drinking alcohol, of course. Then you can go in at any age you want, and you can play. So yeah, we have younger kids in there yeah. playing with it, and yeah, they have I've access to it, you guys. My- don't really have that access.
2: Pool room, uh, uh, people under the age of 21, by uh, uh, not having el- hard alcohol in the pool room, only beer, and the local ordinance. The people in charge there let me go with that, and mm-hmm. uh, as long as I policed it, my you know myself had somebody on board who wasn't going to let, you know these these sixteen year old kids drink beer, uh, on the spot, and they were okay with that. I let them, but I live in a very small town. Well,
1: that's that's it's what Oklahoma, we have,
2: like Oklahoma City. It was it's a big it's a small town.
1: We we have beer and wine, and with that with that type of license in Oklahoma City, we can let uh, minors in, ah. in, which we do um so every weekend you know we have a we have a 40 uh player uh junior league that comes in on sundays and plays. Oh,
2: isn't that nice
1: and um and then they have some other ones throughout the state you know that are really good and joey gray is doing a lot of work with juniors uh in the region um so there's that let me let me let me segue though and, and ask you and and promote an idea that i think would promote pool on the local level that anyone could do you know any any city any any town people can do this, talking about giving people the opportunity to find their talent, you know, and see if this is something they enjoy enough to to pursue. An idea that I've had is to to promote pool locally by going to festivals, by going to malls, um, getting all the local leagues to pitch in, get the rooms to pitch in. And whatever it costs, you know, for these, like, like a, a local arts festival here maybe a $1,000 for a booth space, right? So maybe you need two booth spaces for a pool table. But you set that up, everybody chips in, which is not going to be that much. You know, we've got five or six major pool rooms here. Um, and then we've got four major leagues. You know, the cost for that is going to be negligible for each of us. And then we staff it with volunteers from, from the local leagues and the pool players And the whole idea behind that is to get in front of half a million people in ten days, and say, "Hey, this is pool. This is pool in Oklahoma City. You know, this is the this is why we love the game. You want to try it? What do you guys think about that?"
2: Yeah, I'm on board with that for sure.
1: Anything to get rid of the stigma
0: from the '70s and '80s. Anything from the you know the color of money and uh, the hustler. Uh, anything to get rid of that, uh, that stigma that's around the pool, I'm all for.
2: You know, we See, have a uh, uh, in my hometown we, that has free pool
1: 24-7, seven days a week. They're bar tables, but it's free. But is there any direction there when people come in? You know, so I, I know like down in, down in Texas, for example, there used to be, there also used to be a lot of free pool happening in the clicks uh, chains. Uh, people could come in throughout the day and play. But I, I, when, I, when I traveled through Texas and I saw that, you know, I could go into any of these places in and, and the afternoons and play, and they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be very populated, but there was also no engagement. You know, they would hand me a rack of balls and we would go off to the side and play, but there was nobody coming over and saying, hey, are you, are you guys from here? Are you interested in leagues? Are you interested in, you know, in learning? Right. Anything like that.
2: Yeah, that's what I do. I volunteer to do that just about every day.
1: That would be, you know, I think we need more of that. Then, yeah. more of what you're doing.
2: Yeah, at least three hours a day. I'm going now every day to this to this place, this bar, and and I'm engaging with. A, now the couple kids came in last week, right? Don't know much about all, but boy, are they energetic? Are they interested? Mm-hmm. And so I just say, come on, what do you want? What do you want to know? Let's go and give them a little tidbit. You know, just give them something little. You don't want to give them a whole bunch because they're just learning.
0: Yeah, right. And uh, I, I think uh, just to clear up, like JJ says in the comments, that those movies are the reason player a lot of players started playing. Absolutely, I, I don't disagree with that at all. The only thing that's, uh, you can kind of see with Ed Ladawi's comments in the that uh, player or the parents in New Jersey aren't willing to let their kids go into a pool room because they don't want them to be. Uh, i think as ed said it exposed to that that kind of uh, atmosphere
2: yeah the element yeah
4: let's just let's just once and for all shut down this whole idea that the color of money uh, that, that, that that has been the the, the blot on uh, the pool world it's not it's been the players that have played the game since the color of money and that haven't oh, changed that haven't changed not argue the at all. idea of what pool is you know, absolutely.
0: That's exactly the what I'm going of to the, say. The, Regardless, yeah, go but
3: there's shitheads everywhere you go. It doesn't matter what sport you're in. There's shitheads yeah. everywhere.
4: Yeah, okay, but some of the, but some <laughs> of the big shitheads in other sports at the top of the game. That
0: much, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just like, you're like a pointing fingers. You're really up to alina No, I I, I agree. I think, I think a lot of people were exposed to the game that way, but they were exposed to the game in a way that, um, and and they've perpetuated this, they've, they've prolonged it. But like the idea is like, I mean, how has anybody walked into a pool room and actually had anything like that ever happen? I mean, sure. It happens every now and then. And that's, you know, part of the reason maybe why it continues on, but like those things don't happen on a golf course. I mean, that is certainly not nearly as often. So like the idea is the, I, there's enough public. There's enough Depends things that go on golf? in the public.
4: <laughs> Correct, right?
0: Correct. But the, like I've the idea more, is, there's, I've there's... thrown
4: more golf clubs than I have pool keys. Yeah.
0: well, uh, I can't. have broken I... more golf clubs.
4: <laughs> I've broken more golf clubs know.
0: than I have pool yeah. keys. Trust me. Yeah, that might be that might be true too. But like the idea is, like uh, there's it happens enough in pool, and I agree. Like, uh, I mean, pool is kind of a misfit sport, right? I think, uh, I think that's pretty pretty true across the board, at least as a generality, uh, as opposed to other sports. But, I mean, there's enough that goes on in pool that maintains the reputation that we can't get rid of. And, of course, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, counter examples to that, but there's also plenty that, that go on and, you know, go and air barrel somebody from 6,000 miles away or, you know, beat somebody up at 3 a.m. in the middle of a bar. Like, there's a lot of shit that happens in this sport that maintains and perpetuates these stereotypes that the color of money and the hustler, expressed to the general public and really what we're talking about is the general public outside a pool that only looks in from across you know the world and they're only seeing it every now and then and when they do see it it perpetuates what they already think happens as a generality well, it's the in only sport. like
3: sport, sport where you can be at somewhere till like 2 a.m you know and you're there with alcohol involved you know like well, till that late at
1: night till that late at night i i don't i don't know if i would you know, agree with that. I, I bet you that in the tennis world and the golf world, you know, there's a lot of stories about people having. Well, you're probably right, John. Yeah, I mean, played it, played oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah,
0: I'm not arguing with that at all. The the, the problem,
4: uh, the the difference with pool is that,
0: that pool doesn't exist in the mainstream at all, and
4: tennis and golf do. You don't, see, you don't. You'll see. You don't see that. You don't see that behavior from the professionals in those other sports. You see it from the amateurs. Uh, perhaps you know, if, like I said, you you. If you were to take, a, if you were to follow me, I mean, I played golf for like twenty years. If you were to follow me around the golf course every single week with a camera, you'd see me doing some pretty un, pretty nasty things. You'd see me throwing stuff into the Shock. water. You'd see me, Shock. yeah. You'd see me smashing my clubs. You'd see me swearing and cussing. But I'm not a professional. I don't. I don't need to be seen by you know, where. Well, and the problem is that that the professionals in the pool world, do not yet know or too many of them do not know and haven't known for the last 20 years what it means to be a professional sportsman a professional athlete if you want to call it and that's because the sport's never been properly professionalized you know so everybody yeah, yeah. gets the same you know you you're not going to see Tiger Woods or Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal playing on somebody's stream who just happens to take a camera along with them and start filming one of the pra- practice sessions it's not allowed it doesn't happen you won't get anywhere near them whereas if you have two guys who are just in a bar, two pros, who say, hey, do you want to play for a couple, a couple of sets for $50 a ball? Um, and they both had a couple of shots. Somebody's there with a camera. Somebody's there with a telephone. Boom, live stream Facebook. These two guys are about to go out against each other. And then something stupid happens, and it goes everywhere. Then everybody well, yeah. sees it. That's yeah. the problem, you know?
1: How can, you know, there's a couple of things I want to I want to push back here, or just ask, you know? Sure. Number one is, I think that, you that. Uh, that both the hustler and the color of money have gotten a bad rap because because the whole point of both of those movies was to pursue pool and in its most excellent form you know in its highest in it, to, to basically maybe we need to have a podcast where we break down those movies and and that's out there as something people can look at oh, yeah. but but both of those movies were about less about pursuing the hustling life and much more about getting to the professional side of it where you are playing pool for the absolutely the best you can play flat out and being known as the best. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that. And I think a lot of people, including me and, and, you know, uh, probably generations of players, um, my speed only focused on the hustling cowboy, you know, gunslinger aspect of it rather than, taking the message from the very end of those movies.
3: That's um, a good point, John, because I agree right. with you. That yeah. you. You can, you can, you can find an excuse to why something failed in anything, you know, Absolutely. or you can, or you can choose to go and look at that, that message at the end, you know, when it all kind of comes together and, and
1: take that from it. So the next part of that is, you know, when Jim says, for example, that that you don't see these players doing these things in other sports. Um, well, just on the behavior aspect right i think that that we can i, I think we can agree and please correct me if i'm wrong because i don't watch as i probably don't watch as much pro pool as you guys do um but in general i don't see the europeans or the uh, or the the asians acting out um as much as i do the americans um, because they've done because they've
4: done it once be- because they've done it once before when they were maybe a little bit younger and they were hit hard for it and they realize they can't they can't behave like that in the states. When they do it, they get a little bit of a slap on the wrist, or they have done in the past, <sighs> and they're still allowed to play in all the tournaments. What do you mean? Is a, a
3: jerk or, or have a tantrum? What do, what? Yeah, well, I'm saying good. like
0: like yeah. both, you know. Right. When, uh, you're you're when you're working with federations and you're representing your country, and your country mm-hmm. sees how you represent them, like if like let's put it this way: if uh, if Neil's fine, pull the plug. If, yeah, if Neil's fine tomorrow, like Neil's fine has represented the Netherlands for years and years and years and years. If Neil's fine tomorrow, uh, I don't know, missed a ball and swung his pool cue and hit a ref in the head, the, the federation is not going to be like, oh, well, we have 20 years of you being a good, you know, a, a perfect representative of our country. We'll give you a pass this time. They're going to immediately just cut him and he's never going to play pool for the Netherlands ever again. Correct. <laughs> like he knows yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no going back right i, don't I mean you know, just I don't, don't know, know if he'll it it be, be
1: never but yeah. i mean i think that that there would definitely be some kind of a, a sanction for that who might
3: need a spark plug like that <laughs>
1: yeah Paul, well, let's yeah. get let's get earl where's
2: earl yeah. at yeah. yeah you know you yeah. talked a little earl bit will
0: sacrifice him a little bit about golf throw him yeah. under the bus again yeah, <laughs> yeah well i mean it's, seriously though, look at all the things that earl has done earl has done in his career and sure if you want to say like you know, that's charming for Earl, you know, whatever, that's fine. We can say it's charming. But the point is, is he's done a lot of things in his career that he's done more things in his career that would be considered, you know, at least borderline disrespectful to the game yeah. slash his opponent slash himself than probably every single European player and combine. right? I mean, when was, when was the last time you could name one thing that a European player has done and you can come up with dozens of, things for earl and, and like i said it doesn't really matter the point is, earl's is earl is charming in his own way now i personally it's wearing thin on me uh, i i made that very clear several times but guys i'm sorry i
4: i gotta jump out i gotta go back to work enjoy
0: sure bye okay. bye 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 jim later, buddy. The, the, the point so with that is, is, is it, it, it doesn't matter like the point is is like earl has built a charming kind of rep with rep. You know whatever you want to say about like the way that he acts, but at the end of the day, like that's one year, uh, U.S. player, and there's there's dozens of other really? examples of people who are not nearly as successful as Earl who do this stuff too. He you could have
3: personality without being disrespectful, though. You know, sure, and I think, Poole, I think I think I think Pool needs more personality. Yep.
1: Well, and I think part of that comes from from as Jim was saying, and, and as Nate said, you know, how do we? as jim said you know they did it once and then they 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 got they got knocked hard for it um i can tell you that in the clubs that i was in we had actual rules of decorum that we had to follow uh we had hot heads just like everybody else i was one of them you know and um and i actually grew up emulating earl in a sense you know now that we're talking about earl i mean i didn't think anything of getting mad and and throwing a cue and all that because you know, obviously I was embarrassed, but I mean, I, I thought, well, you know what, it's the passion. It's, 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 it's how much I love the game and I'm expressing that without realizing, you know, how much of a a jerk that it, it had made me and how much it affected my opponent. And so when I got into the clubs over there, you know, and they had actual rules of decorum, you had to sign a piece of paper and saying, you know, this is, I agree to do this and I agree that if I, if I violate these rules that I'll be demoted from first team, if I'm on the first team or, or even kicked out of the club. Uh, and we had boards and, and we had, you know, we would meet and people would talk about those behavioral issues. So I was able to control myself, um, when I played for the team, you know, and then there would be times when I'd be out gambling or something and I would revert back to type. And if that got back to the team, then they would say something to me. They'd say, look, if you're going to be on the team, John, you know, we know you can play, but we just can't have it being out there that you're part of this team and
2: throwing like cues
1: or, or acting out, you know? And so I learned to calm my ass down and, and just play pool.
0: Yeah. I think Ben, I think yeah. Ben Young says it perfect. That it'd be, it'd be great to have proper consequences, but, you know, given by actual sanctioned bodies, but we don't really have a sanctioned body so that's a that's a well i think gets more
3: professionalized though like there's they're gonna force their hand if if, as it becomes more professionalized if more if you have more knucklehead moments you're gonna force their hand to go and have them make an example out of you
0: and if nothing else if nothing else like you know let's take an extreme example let's uh you know let's look let's look at something like football with like ray rice you know we all i'm you know correct me if I'm wrong. We've all seen that video of him where he knocked out his, his wife or his fiance at the time uh, in an elevator in a, in yeah. a Vegas elevator. Uh, and let's just say something like that existed in the, in, in pool. Right. At the end of the day, like Matchroom, sure. WPA might not do anything about that, but let's, let's say Matchroom makes the sport bigger or, or predator. I don't care who I just want it to be bigger. <laughs> so I love, I love the work predator does too. Let's say that one of those two industries uh, makes this sport huge. And we're getting, you know, tiny, tiny coverage on ESPN or something like that for, you know, the U.S. Open or something like that. And that player makes it to the, you know, semifinals. And ESPN says, well, this person's in the semifinals. And here's a video of them six weeks ago in a Vegas elevator. Why does this industry not care? Like at the end of the day, whoever it is, whether it's Predator, whether it's Matchroom, business speaks. And if, and if you're getting pulled or you're getting bad news coverage, because you're not doing the proper vetting of your players, even if WPA does nothing, eventually some players are just going to be bad for business. And, you know, even if the, even if the individual companies themselves have to start saying, all right, you're no longer coming to our events. Hopefully it'll happen eventually. Even if there isn't a sanctioned body, an organized sanctioned body that actually will make these decisions, hopefully in a capitalistic society, business decides what's best for business. And you know, maybe well, that's how we see the future of this.
1: Remember that another adage of that is that uh, no press is bad press. So you know, remember uh, we would talk about when when they had tournaments in the in the '80s, and McEnroe would act out. You know, then then the coverage would be about McEnroe's actions more than the, than the tournament results.
0: Well, uh, I'll, I'll I'll say this: uh, Putin doesn't agree with that statement right now. That's why he's shutting all of, all of the press down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's true too. Yeah, I like the well, comment I mean, here.
0: About 70- <laughs> well, no. I mean, that's there's a fine line between all press is good press, and you know, if 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 all of your stories are constantly negative, you know, that's going to form a narrative around things too. Like the idea, but is you see, no, but you can fade it though. It just depends
3: then. because you've well, depends had, I've seen
0: a constant stream of it or not. If it's a constant stream of bad press, that's bad. But if you get to yeah, sprinkle things in here every now and then, it's you know, all press. You have press, the NCAA
3: that will that'll have players, top quarterbacks that be in national championship games or whatever. And then you'll go and have TMZ come out with the tweet from when the kid was 13 years old saying some racist stuff, you know, or whatever, and Josh, they'll suspend him uh, or, uh, yeah, or Josh they'll Rosen. whatever it is, you know, but you see it all the time. But I'm, my, my point is, Nate, is that they can fade it. You know, the, the NCAA can fade it. Those 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 colleges can go and fade it. The sports can go and fade it. And it'd be no different in pool, you know, if it but, and whatever yeah. to get there, you know, pull would be able to go if it ever gets to that platform they wouldn't go and say oh we're not going to go and cover anymore because of this no they're going to go and build it
0: up and and dramatize it and you know well I i agree with that to a point but what i'm saying is sure that that tweet is that tweet is no big deal but if that tweet leads more people to look into it, and from that tweet you find another tweet, and then you find an Instagram post, and then you find out that you're part of your local Ku Klux Klan meetings, like the idea is, if you continue these well, these yeah. bad, 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 bad things in a row, that press means something. Then, if it's a one off, it's no big deal. If it's over and over and over and over again, then it becomes nah, even the one offs will go and get you. Well, like the one offs can will go. They, they certainly can. Yeah, yeah they well it, it depends on who you are and how much talent you Better you be are, careful right? then, Mike. Yeah, yeah, you better oh, watch it, Mike. My, <laughs> all I'm my saying, Twitter's constantly updated, buddy. <laughs> all I'm, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is Josh Rosen was one of those people that had one of those racist tweets when he was 16 years old or whatever it was, and he's still the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, like talent will trump is, you know, how many, how many knucklehead things has Antonio Brown done, but he still gets a chance yeah. every single year. You if, know, at you the know end of the day, talent, talent will come ball. out. But I, but you have um, a terrible reputation. <laughs> right?
2: Hustling pool, the hustler. You mentioned the movie, the hustler and that aspect of pool being okay. The gambling aspect of pool and that like tournament, uh, play dress codes and all that kind of thing. And, and then you mentioned golf. Well, I can guarantee you Lino made way, way more money in his life, hustling golf on a golf course than he did in any tournament he ever won or played in. Absolutely. He made a living hustling golf. <laughs> playing a hundred bucks a hole with anybody who would play with him. And well, he had that
3: big match with Tiger and, and and Phil right. not too long ago where where you're gambling. So I mean the gambling part yeah. of it isn't isn't the well, issue.
0: Yeah, but yeah, but the gambling of that, they were playing for, for oh, some time. parents. I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the they issue. were playing for $14 million. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were playing for $14 million. I might be wrong on that. But the reason why that's not a bad thing is because they were whoever the winner was was just they were basically playing for charities. Like whoever sure. won, had a had a fourteen million. The other person had to make a fourteen million dollar donation to that person's charity. They weren't keeping that money. That money was going to charity.
1: Even if, but even if they were, even if they right. had been playing straight up for just just themselves and and a, and it was a fourteen million dollar match, people still would have tuned in and they loved it because you know let let's be honest, people like that head to head competition. They love that the edginess of it. They love the gambling. You know, yeah. if, if, if they had got together and played for for a thousand dollars, you know, then then not as many people would have tuned in as when they're playing for 14 million. So purses, you know, we all know this in pool too. That's why we say that's why we say 20,000 in the middle rather than playing for 10,000. Um,
3: yeah, yeah, the number I, sounds
1: great. There's a lot think, of faces
3: of sport, though, that were notorious gamblers. Go look at Jordan you know well, yeah, yeah the guy got absolutely. suspended for, the guy got suspended for a year for gambling i mean like yeah. he retired for a year but he got suspended for a year for well, who was for, it for, for, for gambling I got the, the falcons <laughs> wide receiver the, the falcons wide
0: receiver oh, oh, hold oh. on hold on rob cuz i, oh, I oh. want to say this okay we've we've That's all seen the video time. we've all watched the video at this point in time everyone's seen it up a- alex peggy Lyon in vegas last year where he did one single coin flip for $10,000 yeah we all remember that video right
2: yeah, I watched it
0: all I'm saying is, when you watch that video for him flipping for ten thousand dollars, and then you watch the the match of Phil and uh, Tiger playing for four, you know, fourteen million dollars, whatever it was, they don't have the same feel to it. They just don't, right? When you when you have one person risking ten thousand of your own money to try to win ten thousand, I, I mean, I I just they have different feels to them. They're not the well, same. yeah, they
1: definitely do because the the thing is, is everybody recognizes that a coin flip is is literally luck. And you got two of the best guys in the world, you know, going head to head, you know, which you never see in golf. You see them going against the field.
0: That's fair. Right. That's fair. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh,
1: the, the, yeah. The the raw gambling
0: of the coin flip is. You're right. That, but like when I'm watching that video, my heart is racing for Alex because I don't know who the other <laughs> dude was. I don't know who the other dude was, but like I I just feel like I wanted Alex to win that, and my heart is sitting there racing for that. It's just a different feel than when I watch somebody
1: who won the flip. Know,
0: Alex lost. Yeah, he lost. He did. Did now? I got a question for you guys. No, uh, all the years,
2: all the pool experience you have between uh, the three of you, all the pool halls you've been in, how many times have you actually seen a pool player hustle somebody? That means a pool player lay down,
0: not play to his ability, just to make money. How, how many actual times? Um. Does it have to be an? Does it have to be an on purpose hustle? Yes. What does that mean? Okay. on-purpose? Yeah. yeah, they got to know real. what they're I, doing. Just, well, just, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I've, i I've, I've honestly, I've played. So there's this, uh, there's this group of, um, uh, I, I guess Mexican players that come into my local pool room, and they love playing pool, and they love gambling pool, and they love high roll gambling, like. I think they're all like construction guys and they, they make decent money. And I think they come in and they'll, they'll throw around hundreds of dollars. Just, you know, it's not like it's huge amounts of money, but these guys can't play pool. I mean, these guys are like so terrible. They can barely play pool at all. Uh, and they'll come in and they just want to play everybody. They'll just play anybody. So they, they wanted to play me because I was playing on a table. Well, I wasn't even playing. I was playing, I was practicing left-handed, honestly. And they watched me play left-handed because I was playing in the, I play in a Wednesday night league and I was playing left-handed with my wife. And they wanted to play me uh, for money. And I'm like, they don't speak hardly any English, like barely, barely any English. And I, you know, I speak a little bit of Spanish. I was trying to basically tell them like, you know, you don't want to play me. You don't want to play. me. And basically what it comes down to is we played one game where I played right-handed. And then after that, we would decide if we wanted to play. Well, I played right-handed and it was one of those racks that were just ugly. Like it's like a, you break the racks and solids, solids, or stripes just were a clear advantage ball. Like if you got them, it's going to be really hard for you to lose the game. Well, I didn't get the suit that I needed and I won the game anyways, but because it was such an ugly game, it took forever for me to basically flip the advantage into my favor. I probably had 12 innings at the table. And finally I was able to get my, you know, position to be able to run out. And I did. And then they're like, because I had 12 innings at the table, they're like, all right, let's play for money. Does that count as a hustle? No,
1: no I don't think so. No, does it?
0: Does okay, it? then I've never hustled. <laughs> I'm but I ended up taking, I just. But not, I ended up taking, I ended up taking up four hundred off in, of them, and I wanted didn't. to quit after every game. After every game, I wanted to quit, and they're like, "No, no, again, again, again." And I'm like, nah, "No, no, no." Contributing again, I, again, I, again. So I ended up making like four hundred off of them, and then they just, they just wouldn't let me leave. <laughs> right. No.
1: Now that that's a different that's a different scenario. You know yeah, that yeah. that's when that's when somebody is just. Um, they just want to gamble and they're, they're not right. taking into account how good you might be. Right. They um, just want to
0: put money in the middle. And yeah. They just want to,
1: they just games. want to play, you know, and you were like, you were lucky enough to be there at the moment to, to be able to scoop it, scoop it up. Um, but to answer your question, Robert, I've been, I've been in pool rooms all over the world. Um, and I have seen some form of hustling in the pool rooms that I've spent any time in. I've seen some form of hustling uh, in just about every one of them, including my own last night. You know, um, there's guys that there's guys that 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 have been around Oklahoma City uh, for the last forty years, and they know how to set the hook. And they actually still run the routes. You know, they go they go down towards Houston. They go they go wherever they know the spots are, where they can they can you know settle in for a little bit. You know, be friendly. Um, they know exactly who they're looking for um and you know as far as as far as as somebody just walking in and off the street and then the regulars you know kind of trying to get trap them in a game no i don't see that very often okay um but i do see people who are deliberately deliberately targeting certain players because they know that these people are are uh, are apt to want to gamble and are not able to make a game properly and, um, and and they they see them as marks and they take them off, okay. you know, and this happens all the time. And it happens at every level. You know, the uh, last year, last year and a half, Mike knows this. We had several matches here in Oklahoma City, high profile matches. Right. And if you circled around the room, you would find various games happening. And, and some of those games were were games that people on one side of it were in a bad game, had no business being in. And they okay. were in a bad game and I'll just say it, I'll say it plainly as I can say it, I was on the wrong side of that a couple of times um, because, you know, I'm the type of person that the people who are smarter than me in pool will target, you know, and I'm not alone. There's lots of people like me who love to play, who love to gamble, can't make a game. John, what are you doing later? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for you to fly down.
3: <laughs> but see the difference, like in pool though we have to go and talk about these numbers because pool doesn't have any numbers like if you go to any golf tournament they're not saying we're playing for 25 million you, you don't see it but if you go and look down on the on the payouts you can see that it's quite a substantial amount of money if you go look at the NFL when they're playing in the playoffs $2 million each of them, the will, each them will get yeah each of them will get a a, a check if you win the game or not you know, but they don't go, they're glamorizing the, the, the titles of it, but in pool, we don't have stuff like that. So we got, we go and say, Oh, we're playing for 20,000 in the middle or playing for 30,000 because those are big numbers in the game. Like relatively speaking. I mean,
0: I saw there was a, I mean, we we think that pool's in a bad spot and to be honest, it's not in a, it's not in a great spot. We all know this, but it's getting better. So let's start there. Yeah. I, uh... I, I saw a major tournament this last weekend, an English 8-ball tournament, a major tournament this past weekend, and I saw uh, the winner of it. He was holding up a check, and on that check was $4,000. It's this massive check. It's like the size of his body, and it's $4,000. And at least pool is not at that point where you're making up a giant check for snapping off a pool tournament, and it's $4,000. Like, well, I've seen it. I've seen it in pool. I'm too, not man. trying to I'm, – I'm not involved. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have to, honestly. But like, I'm not trying to disrespect that tournament. I'm not trying to disrespect that sport. I'm not trying to disrespect anything. But when you when you are celebrating with a giant check, a four thousand dollar win for first place, that's sad. I mean, that's 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 bad. I mean, it's, I just hate the idea of it. Yeah. What was the Context,
1: uh, Nate. Though, I mean, who who was who was celebrating? Was it a was it an amateur player who won?
0: I, I, to be honest, I, you know, JJ, JJ JJ's in the, the comments. JJ is one of the best, uh, English eight ball players in the world. So JJ, it was an English eight ball tournament. You can, you can tell me what it was. Uh, if you, if you well, think Chris about Melling it, um, no, yeah, this was a different one, but okay. I, and honest, I don't, I don't even know what the tournament was. I don't know enough, uh, English eight ball to be able to really talk educatedly about it. I just saw a picture of it. And it was like by this organization, he had a $4,000 check on it. So um, I mean, I'm sure JJ will probably chime in because he—he's well, the all-knowing uh, of.
1: Yeah. What I want to say about that, though, is I think that, that depending on the context, that might be the biggest win that person ever had. You know, that might be the highlight possible. of their, the, their whole pool career for the rest of their life. Well, no, no, no I'm not
0: trying to—I'm t- not trying to denigrate the player. I'm—I'm I'm not I, the player. Be happy with it. Be excited. I mean, you did a—you gr- did a great thing. The idea that you're creating a giant check for a th- four thousand dollar. Oh. <laughs> First prize is the part that I'm yeah. saying, not the player. I'm not trying to denigrate the player at all. No, you I mean, had a, an amazing you know, accomplishment.
1: Yeah, there, there's a certain amount of symbolism to that, you know, because we've seen in sure. in other individual sports, tennis, golf, for example. So
0: yeah, the they used to have that
1: big giant check thing, and so now people come to associate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With success, I get it? Emulations happening, you know, that the, we, we try to be bigger than we are. I think there um, should be a
0: the government regulation on that like you can it there's the, got the to be a minimum Some the more IRS,
1: the IRS will tell you what's when, when you're allowed to, if, yes, to exactly. if 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 the uh, if
0: if if the, if the if the purse is less than $100,000 then you can't have a giant check but we'll prorate it all the way down we'll prorate it all the way down to a regular size and a regular size is $150 so if you have a $4,000 you can prorate that up yeah, yeah, no that's side. That's <laughs> side. yeah right there you little guys <laughs> yeah I I just um yeah I don't know it's 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 just a weird situation I guess to, to talk about JJ JJ said uh the whole jumping on the table drives him crazy as a pool home owner um I, I mean I think the I I get the idea of it but it's like a, I I think the the Moscone cup the person who's buying that table, because of course they're selling that at the end of it. Whoever's buying that table loves the idea that oh, Jason yeah, Shaw's, and Joshua I mean, Fillers, dirty, disgusting yeah, feet are all over it. Let's
1: just yeah. let's get over that. All right, the really, table <laughs> that's not a problem. That's you know, people deal. aren't doing that in pool rooms. They're not. I've yeah. never seen a person jump on a table other than 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 those particular situations, and I think that that's just overblown. Yeah. Um,
2: Have you ever had sex on a pool table?
1: Whoa, whoa, Rob, where are you, where, where are you what?
0: Okay. Uh, Yeah, I have, and
1: I, I have, and I don't recommend it. Uh, so, pool ta- uh, pool table, a pool table is absolutely not the good place to have sex. What? This conversation just took a turn, boys. What, what are we Rob, doing this is, here?
0: this is a respectable show. <laughs> there are children watching.
1: Right, we're talking uh, about the reputation of pool, and Robert's like, how can we use pool tables for other means? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah right? Jeez.
1: Laundry. Have what? you ever had laundry on your pool table?
2: Well oh, they say ever? the best yeah
0: the best uh, yeah. The be- they say the, the best way to stop playing pool is to buy a pool table cuz then you will have the most expensive cloth having or cloth uh, folding <laughs> table that you've ever had in your life. <clears throat> yeah.
2: We have a little fi- a, a place where we buy bait for fishing on the flowage here where I live and if you go into this sto- little store, he's got this most beautiful antique 8 foot pool table <laughs> I'd ever seen. And it is piled six feet high with all kinds of boxes and, <laughs> and things that he's trying to use it for storage. And we can't and, help and it, you know.
1: We, that that's when that's when you know that somebody's not 100% dedicated to pool if they let stuff pile <laughs> on their table. And I admit I have had times where my table has been so full of crap, you know. It's just <laughs> I'm ashamed, you know. So so there we go. We can start a campaign called "Keep Your Damn Pool Table Clean." <laughs> and that includes
0: that. That includes you, Team Europe, and your dirty, grimy feet. Or, hey, let's have people send us
2: pictures of their pool table with all kinds of stuff on it. All over you're
0: going to get flooded.
1: Catching We're going to get
2: flooded. Nate, somebody went in
1: Scotchguard. Darren's feet, his footprint yeah. on the table.
2: <laughs> oh no, not what I said. No, no, we don't want those pictures. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's well. Has anybody Senator, ever asked for that? On to Rob. Rob. What, what's that? Oh Jesus! <laughs> I, I don't think I can get Rob and John in the same podcast anymore. <laughs> oh
1: boy! On that note, Nate. Know know that that <laughs> but pool does so, lend it. Pool does lend itself to that kind of that kind of innuendo. You know, I mean. <laughs> it's a, oh yeah! Well,
0: it's, it's oh yeah! Isn't it? I yeah. have yeah. a so,
1: pool
2: cue that I won in uh, San Diego. It was a wonderful pool, pool cue. It was, the guy didn't have any money, so he gave me a stick. And the pool hall I was playing in in Key West, Florida, got closed by the state of Florida for some type of fraud or whatever it was. And they impounded that cue stick, and I never got it back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fun. oh
1: Fun, okay. fun <laughs>
0: So there's that. And we've gotten all this time. We haven't talked about any relevant, well, timely relevant pool. How fun is that?
1: Well, the best idea lot of, of WPA sanctioned events happening on top of each other, is that good or bad? Uh, <sighs> uh, I think it's, I think it's,
0: I think it's honestly, I think it's great. Call me a weirdo. Green? I think it's great. I think it's great. Absolutely, yeah, I think it's more great. More pool events Nat- that happen better, but yeah, that it's, it's, na- it's I little- mean, it's natural selection, man. I mean, this is I don't I, natural- at the end of the day Ooh. at the at the end of the day at the end of the day if if people start scheduling stuff over the Euro Tour and European players have to decide whether they want to go to let's say the U.S. Open for example, or you know, and that won't happen, of course, uh, because you know the uh, Matchroom works with the Euro Tour. But let's just say the the U.S. Open is one weekend. And uh, a Euro Tour is uh, another. Either, either the Euro Tour is going to have to step up their game and make it so that their event is just as sought after as other events, or they're going to go bye bye. And at the end of the day, like, uh, you, do you think that Mario E and uh, Joshua Filler are going to stay in Europe for a, a Euro Tour with? That the current dynamics is if there's a if if there's a an event in the U.S. that's a better option, I mean I'm, I'm I'm picking on the Euro Tour because the Euro Tour is notorious for you know getting amazing fields but having terrible payouts and you know there's a lot of WPA events that also fit that criteria that you know that I could pick on too but I don't know I'm just gonna pick it, on the Euro Tour because it's going seems, on right now.
3: It seems like a pissing contest, and as a fan of pool, first of all I love pros playing uh, big table eight ball so I want to preface it with that but I think majority of the players are gonna be at the matchroom event versus the predator event that's just my gut is what it tells me but I would love to see a lot of those guys go and play um, which I think is what the event is it's it's big table eight ball um, the world eight ball championships so um, I think it's unfortunate but I think it is a little bit of a pissing contest and I, I wish they could go and try to figure sure. out a way to work together and match schedule was already out. So and I'm sure Predator had that date locked up for the last six months plus. It's just I don't know. I bet you there's not that much that they could have gone and done.
0: Yeah. Just like uh you know I think just like um you what is it the uh, what what is the event? Is it uh the US opens are scheduled at the same time as the World Nine ball? Is that right?
3: Yeah, but it's like banks one pocket and what else is it? Um It's like three events.
0: Banks, one pocket, like eight open. ball and 10 ball. Right.
3: I think so. Yeah.
0: And maybe straight pool. Yeah. But like the idea, and then there's the, I think there's the world cup of pool and the Germany open, I think is what it is Uh for the predator. And the, so like the idea is like, uh, you know, at the end, at the end of the, yeah, those are scheduled at the same time as well. Like at the end of the day, we're talking about, you know, events that are butting up that are major, 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 major events. Like, uh, the Germany Open is, at least has the potential to be a major event. It's one of the Predator tour stops. Um, and the U.S. Open has been a staple of U.S. pool for how long now? But no one is going to sit here and argue that, um, let's just say the International Open, because that's not a huge tournament, or, or Derby City or something like that. If those, if those events are at the same time as the U.S. Open, that the U.S. Open is going to draw a crowd. We saw it last year. You know, nobody, hardly anybody went to the U.S. Open because there was some other major event that was going on. I don't remember what was scheduled over top of it, but um, there was a, a major event that happened and almost nobody went to the U.S. Open. So they're we great saw events that and few, they're huge. But
3: We saw it a few years back at the last Expo. You know, they were doing the World Pool Masters during the time of, of the uh, SB. And we've seen them before. But it with, it, with like those small like,
0: fields, like I, I, I'm less worried about those because they're small fields, right? You're only pulling away twenty-four players. And of those twenty-four players, maybe Yeah, but those are like the best, on, have, those yeah, are yeah. the best players on those are the best players on earth though. Well, well, maybe twenty of them would have been there. Maybe let's twenty. Talk
1: about it, let's talk about it in context of the Moscone Cup. Um, players that are vying for that. Um, I think that they're gonna wanna they're always gonna want to go to whatever tournaments they know for sure are being um, looked at. As far as who gets picked for these these events, um, at least, and and to my mind, right, that's going to be like, let's, let's just say, for example, the top 20 players in the world that are eligible for the Moscone Cup, you know, and unfortunately we're excluding the Asians, we're excluding the Canadians and so on. Um, but there's a big potential, I think, because of that extra event that happens that's so popular and people and so prestigious and it's a guaranteed money for the for the people who do get picked. There's the potential there that, that, that knowing that participation in this event this weekend lessens their chances and participation in this one increases their chances, that that, that is also a draw away from from other high profile events. Do you agree or disagree?
3: Thousand percent agree with you, whether yeah, it's think, whether, whether it it's spoken or not.
0: You know, I whether think it depends it... on the player, though. No, Shane and don't Sky don't so. have to worry about it. Uh, Shane and Sky have nothing to worry about. They'll get a wild card if nothing else because who are you going to pick on top of them? But, but at the idea, like all those, all the players basically pass them, I agree with you.
1: And I see, I think that that applies mostly, in my opinion, to the people from Europe, too. Uh, in America, I don't think, I don't think that we have as, as, as everybody knows, we don't have as deep a pool of players that could credibly form a winning Moscone Cup team. Um, and I believe you guys have talked about that plenty. Um, but, you know, there's always that outside chance, you know, the, that uh, that some of the lower tier players, and when I say lower tier, I'm talking about like in the 750 range, um, could get picked and be on the team. You know, so that that's a draw. But, but basically in Europe, you're talking about a, a real – genuine pool of 15 to 20 players who any any five of those players can form a credibly strong team world class right Right. you know world elite and it'll be one of those things where
3: it's like if someone if it's an open event and they choose to go and play you know that a ball event over a matchroom event like that's kind of one of those things where like you're writing it down and you're putting it in your pocket, you know, cause you're going to, you're going to know about it for next time.
1: Do you, you think, know? do you guys think that matchroom should have like some sort of, and I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know whether they do or not, but do you think that they should have some sort of open uh, system where, where they, they say, well, this event assigns this many points, this event assigns this many points. Well, they do now though, right? And, they do. Yeah. It's right. How much money you make. So, so my question is this, is, is there – if a player decides to go to another WPA event or another big event and not to a matchroom event, does that hurt them just from a participation standpoint? Like if gotcha. they, finish, well, they finish high in the other event or they finish high in the matchroom event, is it relatively equal as far as the, uh, the well, amount they'll of – gain they'll get more
3: money from the other event, but that money won't be – Towards where they're going to be ranked at on the
0: Matchroom event, so yeah, they, so won't, you, they won't move. You know up how the or, mat- right, right. I, I guess. <clears throat> I, I guess. Do you do you do you know how the the Matchroom rankings is working now? I
1: I don't want to ask that no, question. No, like I, think, I think I think I need to be brought up to speed. But is okay because yeah, that's what it sounds like. Using, to me, Yes. Are, is that what they're using for the Moscone Cup picks? Correct. So the so the
0: the Matchroom ranking points now for the events that certify towards it. Uh, you are literally given points based off how much money you make. So for every dollar that you make in that tournament, you get one ranking point. So if you if you know if you snap off a turn like if you snap off uh Francisco Sanchez Ruiz snapped off the 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 big or the the Derby City nine ball, he made ten thousand dollars. He has ten thousand points. So,
1: so that, it's one that, for one on the dollars. One for one your, on the
0: dollars. So regardless if, of where you earn it. Yes. So the then last week was it last week that um. Wojtek Shevchek got second at the Euro tour and first place went to, or uh, sorry, um, Victor Zelinski won it and Joshua filler got second. So Victor Zelensky would have gotten whatever a Euro tour pays 4,000, $5,000, something like that. Four, and 200. that, <laughs> basically, yeah. so he would have gotten $4,000, 4,000 ranking points and Joshua filler would have gotten 2000 something. I, I don't know so, exactly how much a Euro tour pays. So does, that's, does,
1: that's, does match room take in all the tournaments a person plays in or is there a certain oh, and uh, it's only the tournaments that they certify. Okay.
3: And they're it's all nine the ter- ball. So it's like all these 10 ball events are just nothing. Well the ten reason miles. I'm asking oh, is really?
1: because you know we've we've had a few years of, of those tournaments in China, Chinese eight ball and so on, where a guy goes and he wins fifty thousand or you know more and then it puts it, it it skyrockets him to the to the leaderboard um of money. So
0: So this is, so after the, sorry, I'm going to cut you off here, but this is after the Derby city classic. This was the world rankings immediately after the the Derby city classic, as you can see, basically everywhere that you see money in there, that's literally how much they made. So, okay. And if you look at the Derby city classic, I mean, this is what it was. So Francisco won it. He had 16,000 points or 16,000 points, $16,000 Joshua filler got second in that. He got 8,000. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how it works. So. So
1: in, in this scenario, the tournament now that, that we started the conversation with was uh, was two WPA sanctioned events that are going to be held on the same same time frame. Are both of those matchroom points events, or so only if only if they're nine
0: ball and they're certified by uh, matchroom. So the, the ranking events on their calendar is the Derby City, the Euro Tour that just finished up a little bit ago, uh, the World Pool Championships, uh, the Euro Tour. Another Euro tour, uh, the UK Open, the Sandcastle Nine Ball Open, which Ed Ladawi will be running because, well, he's in the comments. So uh, let's see here. Another Euro tour, another Euro tour, the Sandcastle Nine Ball Open, another one of Ed's events, uh, the U.S. Open, uh, the International Open, the
1: European Open, another right. so Euro not, tour. All big nine ball events, right? All nine All ball has nine to be ball. Nine ball yeah. Okay, so that you know, that also answers the question. You know, if someone decides, well, they, they, if they're going to go to a big eight, the World Eight Ball, for example, then they know they've got no chance to get any Moscone points. Right. From that, and that's a decision that they make as a player. Um, but it I, has
3: other. It has other things down the road that go and affect too, John, because a, as these rankings go and get in place, you're going to get automatic bids for these invitationals, the World Masters. Um, um, uh. the uh. uh championship league. league pool, the premier league pool. Even, um, even to a lesser so, degree, the world nine ball, even to a lesser degree that. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't go and earn yourself these points, then you for sure are just locking up Uh. uh that you're not going to be invited to the party at all, you know, for, or you're which not going to have a chance to go and get there.
0: Which yeah, honestly yeah. I'm okay with, right? Because right. the idea, if you're not going to, if you're not going to work to promote the industry by partaking in it, why should you get the benefits from it?
3: Wait, but you're saying industry, though. Like, it's not just, it's not industry because they're still putting on pool
0: events. It's just not nine ball. There's a difference. Okay. So no, no. Well, I'm thinking people like, let's say Josh Roberts. Everybody knows Josh Roberts is one of the most talented players in the U.S. When was the last time you seen him play at, at, at an actual event? Very rarely. What? And it's usually regional stuff. But he, the idea is play, like, he'll play derby and in international. We just, he,
3: you're not going to, I doubt you're going to go and see him at the German Open or. You know,
2: a lot of that is money
1: you know pure he's like uh, seventh
2: or eighth on the money winning list this year so far
1: josh like i think i put up a question the last the the last match room event that happened um i'll be honest it happened in the same time frame that i bought the pool room so i really wasn't wasn't paying attention but and and you guys please tell me the, the accurate information but it felt to me like it took two weeks um it felt like for at least you know, like ten days or something. I, every day I saw results of a match, yeah. and um, and I was just wondering to myself, you know, who's paying the expenses for these guys to stay over in Europe Matrim. for so long? Matchroom. So they are. So the and and is that a is that's a purely invitational thing? Well,
0: yeah. yes. Okay. The, the, well, you're can... talking about you're talking about Premier League pool. Yes, that is. Yeah, that that's is Matrim, what I was about. Correct. Matchroom pays that. Yes.
1: Okay, and that, and that's fantastic that they do, um, but I can tell you from my just deep experience, and I'm sure you guys have it too. But but uh, in the past 35 years, I've seen way more world class broke players than I have you know uh, really financial financially successful ones. Sure, and 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 because of the
0: last 35 years, all these, especially the U.S. players, they're so jaded to the idea that anybody would actually be doing something good for the industry that they refuse the right to partake in it completely they there's they're, they refuse to partake in anything that ha- that happens so you, you know matchroom is not coming into the us and saying like hey just trust us for well i mean they might with the prize purses sometimes potentially oh, but like oh, yeah. the point is they're not, they're not coming in here and saying like just Hey, just, just give up a little bit right now. We'll take care of you later on. Like the match room is just saying, like, all right, you're gonna play in our events, come on over. Here we go. Here you go. Here's your here's your travel, here's your costs. That's not for all of their stuff, of course. Like, if you want to play in the UK open, they're obviously not covering your stuff there. But if you want to go over and play in the match or the Moscone Cup, like they're gonna be covering you to go over there. plus they're gonna be giving you a paycheck. The idea so the idea that all these US players That's not are ref- entirely are true, refusing- though, because I
3: think they're cop in the, the hotel. I think flight-wise, they're paying their way. So to go and travel from Europe to Europe is a lot less expensive than going and traveling from, you know, Texas to the UK. Sure, big difference.
0: Sure. Yeah. But like the idea is like they're not they're not they're not paying you a thousand dollars and then slapping you with three thousand dollars in costs when you get over there, right?
1: No. Like, yeah, the, yeah. And I'm, sure. not, and I'm not and I'm not
0: and I'm not saying yeah I'm not trying to say that Matchroom is like perfect with what they do either. Like I'm not I'm not trying to say that. But the point is is like they're not. The matchroom isn't like telling you, like, hey, you need to post $3,000. And if you get last place, we're going to pay you $0. Like, they're, there's with all their invitational stuff, you're getting some money back out of it, or they're covering your, your travels and, and or just both. To reply to, just to reply to
3: Ed's comments, I'm not saying invitationals are points. What I'm saying is you get invited to invitationals based off of points. Off of points. So yes. it's like you have to go and attend those events in order to get points. And then if you're within that, that 20 or whatever it is, those automatic bids, then you can you don't got to guess whether or not you're going to get invited to the World Pool Masters. Yep. You're going to know your ass is going to be there because you 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 you've earned the the right to go and and be on that stage.
0: And what I'm saying is these these American players that have, you know, talent to be able to play with these players, they refuse to. They refuse to travel. They refuse to go to events that aren't small regional events, you know, and maybe not even small regional events, you know, bigger like the Scotty Townsend's not a it's not a small regional event. I mean, that's a big regional event, but it's still just a regional event. Like at the end of the day, like there's, there's, it's a tour stop for a lot of players who are, you know, traveling around the country. But at the end of the day, like no one's going to come from Europe for that event. If they're already here, they'll, they'll go and play at it. But the idea is like, if if the only tournaments that, as an American you will go to are like these types of tournaments, and then you wonder why you don't get invited to stuff, like it, it's just ridiculous to think that you should get. I I would I wouldn't mind seeing matchroom pull all invites completely from American players who refuse to play in anything. Like, okay, but why my, d-
1: question, my, my question is though when when we talk about refusal, are we looking are we looking at what these players are financially able to do? <clears throat> Like, well, like, like, okay. You know, no, it, yeah, but hold on, John. But, Whose you know, responsibility no, 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 is it, even, though?
0: Like, don't even start with me with that because Shane Wolford is going to every single one of these events. And Jane, Shane Wolford can't compete anywhere close with Josh Roberts. So you can't tell me that hey, these players don't have to win a, a lot better. Shane is yeah. getting a lot better, correct. And how long has he been doing this? Since he's been doing this for a year and a half, you can't tell me when he started right. this. He was but able to do that. Right? Let's be real. He's a let's kid. Here, okay. Shane, I agree. Shane I, agree. I absolutely
1: agree. I'm just saying, great. if he
0: can find a way to do it, then anyone can find a way to do it. Well, no,
1: I don't. I don't agree with that because Shane has resources. He has. He has his. His dad is 100 percent behind him, of course. Um, he's got okay. the pool room. He's got a local community. You know, he he definitely has resources behind him. That this is one player. How about well, Tyler Steyer? But, you're, you know, when we talk about opportunities. How about Chris Reinhold?
0: <laughs> like these players aren't cashing in a lot of these tournaments, but yet they're still there every single time.
1: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you that there's a lot of personal responsibility there. Yeah. You know, and I also agree that with enough planning, you know, players should be able to figure out how to finance their way.
0: And but. if you can't find sponsors to help you with it, is that on you or is that on the sponsors? Because
1: there's there's Tyler well, Styr, I, it Tyler. It's Styr an interesting question in to it.
3: go and ask John Barton. I can tell you that much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tyler I'll be, Styr- to, I'll be happy to answer it from an industry yeah. standpoint if you want. Yeah, sure. Well, the number one thing I want to say is is that that rumors of 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 uh, financial ability in the pool industry are greatly exaggerated. So a lot of companies don't have as much money as people think they have. Um, so there's that, you know, like people, people constantly think that, that I'm a millionaire, for example, off of, off of these cases, but it's just simply not true. Now there are companies of course that are, you know, making millions in revenue, but we don't know what their profit margins are. We don't know how much extra they've got to put into players. Um, but I can tell you that, that, from what I do know from the last 35, 40 years, companies are just not as big. They're not, they're not, they don't quite have as much money as people think they do. So there's that. So you have to be real judicious in, in, in what you're paying for. Right. But there's a lot of players
3: that'll go and bust their ass for their sponsors. And then there's a even more amount of players that won't, that won't, that won't go and, and do anything. And, and you're going and pulling teeth to have them go and make a Facebook post, you know, if they go and win an event.
1: Well, that's absolutely true, and that's the
3: bare minimum
0: of what they can go and do, or to, or to just even thank their sponsors for the opportunity to even play in that event because they got them there. I know a lot of, I know a lot of players that will, you know, they'll get a backing from you know, company X and then they'll go and they'll post all day long about how they're doing in their match. And not a single one of those posts have anything to do with their sponsor. That the reason that they're there is because of it at the end of the day, like there are plenty of players in this industry who make themselves desired because of the things that they do. Tyler Steyer is a perfect example of that. Chris Reinhold is a perfect example of that. Neither one of those players. I'm guessing, I'm guessing if you add it up, if they played together or if they played uh, 50 events last year, which I'm, if you combine their events, I bet it's pretty close to 50 events between the two of them. I bet that they cashed in less than 20 of them. And I'm guessing that neither one of them won a tournament last year, not a big tournament anyways. So you have two players that they're absolutely, by the time that you take all of their finances just for the tournaments that they're playing, and I'll, I, I'd almost bet money, they're both, they're both far negative last year by the time you throw hotels, flights, food, all this stuff. Yeah, into but your if they have backers cost, to
3: go and pay or sponsors to go and pay their is, events. This is my that, exact yeah.
0: point. They have made themselves desirable by being a consummate professional, by making the posts that they need to do. They found a way to make themselves valuable to the people who are taking care of them. If the, if the players in the US refuse to do that, they refuse to help out their sponsors in any sort of way. I can't feel bad at you for you at all. And I, in fact, I won't even let people bat, like stand up for you because at the end of the day, like if you want to be desired, if you want to be marketable, you can do it. The only thing that's stopping you is your own laziness. And if that's the only thing that's going to keep you touring as a professional player and you refuse to do it, I, I mean, I just, I just don't have any, I, I have zero sympathy for that. Like if you want to do the, your job, then do your job. If you don't do your job in something else, you're going to get fired. And because you're a, a world-class pool player who is, you know, can run out from everywhere and you beat all these champions, that doesn't mean that you don't have to do your job. And what your job is, is to get to pool tournaments and play in pool tournaments. So part of part of that is the marketing
1: side of things. Along with that, I want to tell you guys a story back when I had Instroke. So we we somehow we started talking to Ralph Suquet about sponsoring him. And Ralph sent us first. He sent us a fax. So Robert will remember what faxes are. Um, <laughs> but but look, 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 of, uh, turn
3: around. He's got one right there.
2: I have have a, I have a tape player in my car with a, with a hypnotic uh, thing on it that I use when I go to tournaments.
1: So the first thing, the first thing that happened in our negotiation with, with Ralph was he sent us a fax and laid out, you know, kind of preliminarily what he wanted. And, and alongside the, uh, the right side of the page on the fax was listed his current sponsors. And back then it was like Joss and, and Simonis and, you know, pretty much the same sponsors he's got now. Um, and I remember when I got that fax, I went into the office of, of one of my partners and I said, I said, look at this. I said, I want our logo to be right here along with these people's logo. You know, I want every time Ralph sends out a fax to somebody or he sends a letter he had actual letterhead made up. We we received a real letter from him where it had the logos nice and crisp on the side. And and we did end up sponsoring him for about a year or so. And I felt as a sponsor, I felt super proud because I knew that every time that he was communicating with other people, <clears throat> we were right there along with all these great brands. And and I have often used Ralph and that example to other players here in America and elsewhere um, as an example of the job that you're doing as a pro, you know? So the playing part of it is is the culmination of why you're there. But yourself as a player, you are, you are yourself a brand, and you have to manage that brand, and you have to ally with other brands. And that's the office work that you have to do. And that's exactly – I. 100% agree with you, Nate, on that part of it, you know, that that a lot of players, they just don't realize that when they get to that level, they are an entity, they, they become their own, you know, I, I guess a good example here is Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart, these guys, you know, if you look a little bit deeper into what they're doing, they actually have companies, they, they're they employing people, they're, they're doing the office work that, that, is beside their profession as a comedian, you know? The comedian, the the comedy aspect of what they do brings people to the table, but the business aspect of what they do is what they do behind the scenes to keep all that going, you know, and not be at the mercy of the winds of change, you know, of of waiting for someone to pick up the phone and say, hey, you want to come to this comedy festival, or waiting for them to pick up the phone and say, you want to come to this pool tournament? You know, so I agree with you, Nate. They have put themselves <laughs> in a position, Chris, Tyler, uh, a few other people, April. April does a good job of, of getting April out there job. and, and thanking her sponsors. Uh, even lower-level players have started to realize it's not lower level, I don't want to say – I shouldn't say it like that, but, but lesser-known players like Shane McMinn, for example. He never forgets to thank the people, you know, that are, that are there with him. Um, now, as a sponsor, for example – I don't, you know, until recently, I guess I can announce it here, but, but I just recently agreed to, uh, to sponsor Hunter Lombardo with actual money. Ah. So as a sponsor, I don't consider, I don't consider sponsorship to be real sponsorship. If you're not giving money, if you're giving equipment, that's fine, but you're turning the player into, and you're basically turning that person into someone who has to somehow turn that equipment into money. And you're adding on a layer, you know, to them being able to to realize the monetary benefit of that stuff. So until now, if I, I give someone a case, this is just me, right? If I give someone a pool cue case, I tell them explicitly and specifically, this is not a sponsorship. Because I believe that at your level, you can win a tournament, you know, you could go in and win any regional or local tournament and have enough money to buy any pool cue case you want. Um, but I giving it to you as a fan, if you want to, to say thank you to me or whatever, that's up to you, but you're not required to. But as soon as I give money now, I, now I, I actually require them to do it, you know, and list me as a sponsor. And I, I think that that's important that what Nate said is that you have to acknowledge that you have to help the people that are in the industry to grow, even in the smallest ways, just by simply Continuing to promote their brands and their, you know, links to their websites and stuff like that, and that is a virtuous cycle because it builds. The more your profile builds, the more their profile builds. Eventually, hopefully, they end up with a little more sales and a little bit more ability to be able to increase the amount of money they're paying to you and get you to these bigger events. So that's how percent.
3: Yeah, but it it kind of comes full circle though, John, because you started off saying like how people think that. You know, you're a millionaire, or all these companies are just, you know, very fluid, and maybe they're not. So maybe that's all they're able to go and do is provide product. And in that case, it's like if you want what little help I can provide to you, then you need to provide a little help to me in the form of going and selling the product. It's a win for me. It's a win for you.
1: Yeah, I just, I just feel like that that adds that, that extra layer on there because as I've seen in the in the industry, I've seen players, you know, like, and this goes back to you know bad behavior, I guess, if you will. I've seen players go out gamble, and uh, and you know they've got three or four cues from their sponsor or something like that, and then suddenly now they're 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 selling these cues way under retail. These them a dollar. I've and seen people, it. People, 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 people that do that regularly. What happens is 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 a little reputation is formed where people say, "Oh, well, I don't want to buy that cue from from that company or this company because I know I can get it from Joe Smith." You know, next time, a, next time he gets a match of cues, you Once know, he gets, uh, up to get it from him and, and flip it easily for, for cost.
0: I've heard some, I've heard a lot of well, stories too about yeah, like people but that,
1: getting but It's just a matter of who you're going
3: into bed with too. Yeah. You know, like yeah.
0: I heard a story, like what the, the first time I ever got a cue sponsor, I was, I think 20, 22 years old and I was sponsored by Segan Cues. Uh, Segan was one of, so Evan, Segan Cues was Evan Clark. Uh, who made shown cues for 30 something years. So basically he was one of the main builders behind uh, shown cues with Bob Rundy and uh, Terry Romine. Uh, It was kind of those three guys making those cues. And I remember going into the office um, to pick out my very first cue and I, and I got it and I left the place and I got a, I went back in there a week later and I talked to them and there was another player who was a, you know, a top Wisconsin player. I'm not, I won't say any names, but they, he was in there the day before me and picked up a queue as well to be sponsored by the same company. And this, I went on a Friday. So he went on a Thursday. And from what I heard, uh, that person who got the queue on Thursday sold it by Sunday. So he went in there to sign a to sign a deal with this company to basically be a represented player, got his free Mm -hmm. queue and then sold it three days later to somebody who went to I, them and said, hey, look at this sweet queue that I just got. This thing's amazing. I'm so glad that you guys made this. This is a great queue. And they're like, wait, how did you get that queue? They're like, I just bought it. I just bought it yesterday. It's awesome. This is like one of the most beautiful cues I've ever seen. That's how they found out that the person that they were going to sponsor sold the queue already. I mean, that stuff like that just. It happens. I've seen it. I've bought cues from
3: players, and I found out after the fact of what it was. I remember one time I was I was doing a deal with uh uh the, this this kid hit me up he was maybe like 17 years old, offered he messaged me about buying a Davinci so I sent a message to Pat and I said Pat what do you think this cue is worth and he said where'd you where'd you get that picture from, and I said well I got this kid offering to sell me this cue and he's wanting uh you know six hundred dollars for it butterfly cue. He said Mike is it so and so I'm not gonna say the kid's name, and I said yeah that's him. He said you buy it. I don't want him to have it anymore," oh, he said. Yeah. "We we we gave him that cue as a part of a sponsorship deal, and it, it had maybe been like two months, and that was the way that 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 Pat found out that the kid was burning them.
1: That's too bad. Yeah. Well, you know what I say to all of that? Really, is as I say, this goes back to kind of where I was where I was at at the beginning about um, figuring out how to bring more people into the sport. I feel like if we build a bigger pie you know, then everyone can have a slice that is good for them, you know, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't create the incentives for people to go out and use sponsored goods as a, as a, as a, uh, a quick money chip, you know, when necessary. Um, Because that's what it, that's what it is. You know, I mean, even, even it, even if I sell to, to, to say dealers, you know, we call them trunkers, Um, if I sell to, to somebody who's enthusiastic about selling cases or billiard supplies and things like that, and, but they don't have an actual store or an actual structure, some of these guys can be the most fantastic, you know, sales outlets that we have, but a lot of them are just kind of doing it as a, as a sort of a hobby, a way to integrate themselves with, with people around. And when they get in trouble. They use our cases, for example, as a way to, uh, to generate money really quickly, Yeah, you know, and that could be five cases. It could be 10, you know, until they're out of them or whatever they've got. And, and I, I think the players, you know, they, they, they can't help, but feel that same way because if you're kind of in the middle of the pack as a player and you're not, you're not good enough yet to go snap off the tournaments and really cash deep, um, but yet you're good enough to gamble and you know make some scores here and there. Um, you're gonna have those times where you're you're just dead broke, and if you've got stuff to sell, <laughs> it doesn't matter whose stuff it is or or what that what the premise of it was that you got it. You're gonna try to turn it into cash because you can't give your pool cue case to the motel room manager. <laughs>
0: as much as you'd like to. No, he's not gonna take. A good point. Well, well, I, I, that's, I think that's I think the that was... reality
2: for sure. Part of the whole picture.
0: Yeah. You want to know what my favorite podcasts are podcasts where we don't talk about anything that's going on besides just what we want to talk about, and that was what today was.
3: And then you blink, and it's an hour and forty-five minutes later.
2: Yep. You know,
0: yeah. and we can. I, I will both. say this. Yeah, I will say this. Congratulations to uh, congratulations to Sanjin he had his first uh, score. He finally won a Euro uh, European Championship. Uh, Wojtek Check gets second well, let's place. Let's just let's just do another one hole.
3: later on this week, Nathan. We'll do, we'll just talk about pool stuff.
0: Oh, well, we could probably do that too.
3: Yeah, weren't we talking
0: about pool stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I mean, like like the pool events that we Keeping, usually do. Yeah, you know? yeah. We got to <laughs> yeah, we got to keep everybody up. Maybe maybe we'll do another podcast on Thursday. Then we'll talk to the, yeah. the normal crew and see what yeah, we can't I, get done.
2: I have a uh, I have a little something here written by Robert Byrne. Uh, it's called, ah, the, it's called he the was, game,
0: He's Had a Good Collection, The
2: Game of Timeless Beauty and Fascination, and it's about three cushion billiards. and I'd like to read
3: that uh, on the next podcast. If I could.
0: Sure, how about we do a Manscaped
3: ad? Does that sound like fun? <laughs> I gotta run. Y'all boys <laughs> enjoy the Manscaped ad.
0: John, it's good seeing you, buddy. You too, Mike. Rob, we'll see you guys later. Off, okay, Mike. John's, John's gonna like this. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for the precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas, but now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra premium collections. <laughs> this package includes the Manscaped Premium deodorant, not Nice. <laughs> no, not just for your balls, but for your stanky armpits. This deodorant dries clear and is aluminum-free and smells like the signature scent.
1: You seriously have that? <laughs> yeah, Yep.
0: Yeah. Hydrating body oh, yeah. moisturizer. Have tattoos or issues with dry skin? It's designed to keep your skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. Body wash to lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. Two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with easy one step. And plus a free gift, a three-pack of the lip balm. The Manscaped Lip Balm. That's what you're missing from your life, John. The Manscaped Lip Balm.
1: And this how is that, how balm is that lip balm applied to other people?
0: Uh, via <laughs> a pool table
1: after hours.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> not... not- Not for me anymore. Pool tables for play and pool. Not for laundry or anything else. (laughs) There
0: it is. That's four product plus one free gift. The ultra premium collection. What a score. All of these products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, vegan-friendly, and dye-free. The best ingredients with zero compromise. How do you get yours? You get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CUEITUPPOD at Manscaped.com. That is 20% off and free shipping at CUEITUPPOD.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle, thanks to Manscaped. There we go. You made it through. How was that, John? How was your first your Manscaped balls, ad? Well,
1: thank you. With that was Manscaped. great. I'm actually going to see what it's all about now. So you, the, the job was done here. Let's see.
0: There we go. It's working. <laughs> How perfect is this? Hey, we've always wanted outside money in the industry, and we're getting it now with
1: Manscaped. How great is that? That is great. Uh, I don't think that people really remember that Joe Rogan started out with the fleshlight.
2: Really
0: nice, <laughs> yeah. Really, no, this is a really, great that, that's not a, that's not a this, joke. This Look baby's a
2: great little tool, trust me. Yeah, you know? at yeah, my age, of course, I use it for my ear hair and my nose hair. Okay.
0: And, well, actually, uh, Rob, Rob used to have a full head of hair just like me until he got the manscaped. <laughs> How
1: about that, Rob? How you about guys that? are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you mate for inviting me this was, this was the this has been the highlight of my month to be honest with you you know uh except for buying the pool room which uh you know the news a little bit worn off there so now the work begins yeah i'm uh, so
2: happy for you yeah no, no, Has room. the honeymoon oh, face boy, chester's
1: yeah. so uh so if
0: you're in the oklahoma city area go over and give this man some of your money spend some money buy some food get a little table time
1: all right or uh you know, get them in a game and take some money out. <laughs> nah, <laughs> no, no, no,
0: no, 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 no
2: hustle. There won't be any but, hustle uh, here.
1: But anyway, uh, yeah, it's, um, I I, uh, I want to say that um, that you Nate are doing an amazing, amazing job with this. Uh, you put in so much work, and uh, it's really great to see you. You know, it, always always increasing your viewership and always doing more, uh, getting some getting some good industry tie-ins and some outside industry money. Um, I've just been really impressed with you, you know, watching you the last couple of years. So thank you for inviting me and let me be a part of it.
0: I appreciate that, John. And of course you were on, uh, great to meet you. Yeah. You were on the podcast early on, right? Uh, I think when we met in Kansas, I got you on the podcast pretty shortly after that. And I think it's your third time being on the show. Is that right?
1: I think it's my second. I think we did an interview. Uh, we did a one-to-one interview, didn't we?
0: Yeah. And I thought, I thought we brought you on, uh, afterwards too, with like, uh, maybe, maybe I bring you on with, um, uh mark wilson too maybe i don't think am i wrong in that yeah no maybe ed
2: wants to know how many tables you have in your room john
1: uh we have 14 we have uh 11 uh bar tables and three nine footers
2: okay and they're they're, kind of nine footers are they um
1: we have two diamond nine footers we have one gold crown um and the rest of the bar tables are diamonds
2: okay Cool. There, w- well, there was a comment on here that somebody doesn't want us to talk about big tables as. That's Ed. Ed's a purist. Ed's, tables, Ed, Ed is. That's not the 10-foot table. It's the 9-foot table or the 8-foot table. Actually, the standard size pool table when I was a, growing up was 8-foot. was an 8-foot yeah. Brunswick.
1: Was it? Okay. Oh, yeah.
2: Every pool hall you went into, there was hardly 9-foot. There was around a few, but most of them were 8.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Willie Moscone's, uh record was uh, on an eight foot. Yes, uh, it was. And,
0: yeah.
1: You know, that's. Uh, you got to
0: remember that Rob did grow up in the twenties too. So I mean, that was a while ago. <laughs> no, 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 no,
2: no, no, no. But.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. So so I so so Ed was saying you know don't say big table say say the the size of it like nine size. foot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, he it's wants to say regulation. Great. Regulation is a nine foot. Right. Regulation.
1: Oh, regulation. Okay. Well, I mean, I I like that. You know, Brunswick, I mean, I don't know how much time more time we have, but but you know, an interesting little tidbit is that that Brunswick actually did a marketing campaign to change the name of pool to pocket billiards. Uh-huh. um, you know, they actually put out lots of national ads in, in big papers and things like that, always using the 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 term pocket billiards to try to popularize that sure. instead of the word pool. Sure. So, you know, Sure. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that on that necessarily. So maybe, you know, it's, it's a thing to watch our language a little bit. Maybe instead of calling them bar tables, we just call them seven foot, there you know, you go. There you or go. Uh, league, league regulation. Foot
0: pocket tables. Yeah. yeah. League. Ta- yeah. I'm okay with league table, league tables and regulation tables. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. I, hate, I, I hate seven prefer
2: points. tables with no pockets, but there you go. That's just me. Shut
0: up, Rob. You are such a liar. You're playing more pool than ever now. Rob, You're back to loving pool. In were you around?
1: Were you around when they used like bundled grass for rails? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, all right, we'll close this out. I appreciate you joining in, John. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and Rob, as always. Okay. All right, thank well, you so guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'm we out.
2: All right, we appreciate.